Chapter Eight of Babu Jabberjee, B.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Babu Jabberjee, B.A. by F. Anstey. Chapter Eight: How Mister Jabberjee delivered an oration at a ladies' debating club miss spink whom i have mentioned supra as a feminine inmate of porticobello house is in additum a member of a debating female society which assembles once a week in various private westbourne grove parlours for argumentative intercourse so she expressing an anxious desire that i should attend one of these conclaves i consented on ascertaining that i should be afforded the opportunity of parading the gab with which I have been gifted in an extemporized allocution. On the appointed evening, I directed my steps, under the guidance of the said Miss Spink, to a certain imposing stucco residence hard by, wherein were an assortment of female women, conversing with vivacious garrulity, in a delicious atmosphere of tea, coffee, and buttered bread. After having partaken freely of these comestibles, we made the adjournment, to a luxuriously upholstered parlour circled with plush seated chairs and adorned with countless mirrors and there we began to beg the question at issue to wit to what extent has ibsen if any contributed towards the cause of female emancipation which was opened by a weedy tall male gentleman with a lofty and a shining forehead and round owlish spectacle glasses he read a very voluminous paper from which i learnt that ibsen was the writer of innumerable newfangled dramas of very problematical intentions exposing the hollow conventionalisms of all established social usages especially in the matrimonial department when he had ceased there was a universal and unanimous silence due to uncontrollable female bashfulness for the duration of several minutes until the chairwoman exhorted someone to have the courage of her opinions and the ice being once fractured one amarath succeeded another in disjointed commentaries plucking crows in the teeth of the assertions of the honourable opener and of their precursors and resumed their seats with abrupt precipitancy stating that they had no further remarks to make then ensued another interim of golden silence and slow time as poet keats says which was as if to become sempiternity had not i rushing in where the angels were in fear of slipping up caught the speaker in the eye and tipped the wink of my cacoethes loquendi to prevent disappointment i shall report my harangue with verbose accuracy myself assuming a perpendicular attitude inserting one hand among my vest buttons and waving the other with graceful affability Honourable Miss Chairwoman, Madams, Misses, and Honourable Mr. Opener, the humble individual, now palpating on his limbs before you, is a denizen from a land whose benighted, ignorant inhabitants are accustomed to treat the females of their species as small fry and fiddle-faddle. Yes, Madams and Misses, in India, the woman is forbidden to eat, except in the severest solitude, and after her lord and master has surfeited his pangs of hunger she may not make the briefest outdoor excursion without permission and then solely in a covered pulky or the hermetically sealed interior of a blinded carriage cries of shame 
In the Senana, she is restricted to the occupation of puerile gossipings, or listening to apocryphal fairy tales of so scandalizing an impropriety that I shrink to pollute my ears by the repetition even of the titbits. Subdued groans. Such being the case, you can imagine the astonishment and gratification I have experienced here this evening at the intelligence and forwardness manifested by so many effeminate intellects. A flattered rustle and prolonged simpering. The late respectable Dr. Ben Johnson, gifted author of Boswell's biography, applause, once rather humorously remarked on witnessing a nauch performed by canine quadrupeds that, although their choreographical abilities were of but a mediocre nature, the wonderment was that they should be capable at all to execute such a high-legged feat and tour de force. Similarly, it is to me a gaping marvel that womanish tongues should hold forth upon subjects which are naturally far outside the radius of their comprehensions. The subject for our discursiveness tonight is, to what extent has Ibsen contributed to the cause, if any, of female emancipation? And being a total ignoramus up to date of the sheer existence of said honourable gentleman, I shall abstain from scratching my head over so sphinxian a conundrum, and confine myself to knuckling to the obiter diction of sundry lady speakers. There was a stout full-blown matron, with grey curl shavings and a bonnet and plumage, who declared her opinionated conviction that it was degrading and infradig for any woman to be treated as a doll. Here, here. Well, I should hatch the questionable egg of a doubt whether any rationalistic masculine could regard the speaker herself in a dollish aspect, and will assure her that in my fatherland every cultivated native gentleman would approach her with the cold shoulder of apprehensive respectfulness. The bonneted matron becomes ruddier than the cherry with complacency and fans herself vigorously. Next, I shall deal with the tall, meagre female near the fire hearth, in abbreviated hair and a nose pinch, who set up the claim that her sex were in all essentials the equals, if not the superiors, of man. Now, without any garish of words, I will proceed boldly to enumerate various important physical differentiations which intervention by honourable chairwoman reminding me that these were not in disputation i bow to correction and kiss the rod by summing up the gist of my argument viz that it is nonsensical idiocy to suppose that a woman can be the equivalent of a man either in intellectual gripe in bodily robustiousness or in physical courage of the last i shall afford an unanswerable proof from my own person it is notorious urbi et orbi that every feminine person will flee in panic-stricken dismay from the approach of the smallest mouse i am a bengali and as such profusely endowed with the fugacious instinct and yet shall i quake appalling consternation if a mouse is to invade my vicinity certainly i shall not and why because though not racially a temerarious i nevertheless appertain to the masculine sex and consequently my heart is not capable of contracting at the mere aspect of a rodent this is not to blow the triumphant trumpet of sexual superiority but to prove simple undenied fact by dint of an a fortiori having pulverized my pinch-nosed predecessor i pass on to the speaker of a very very opposite personality a well-proportioned beauteous maiden with azure starry eyes gilded hair and teeth like the seeds of a pomegranate 
oh si sic omnes who vaunted in the musical accents of a cuckoo her right to work out her own life independently of masculine companionship or assistance and declared that the saccharine element of courtship and connubiality was but the exploded mask of man's tyrannical selfishness had such shocking sentiments been aired by some of the other lady orators in the room i must facetiously have recalled them to a certain fabular fox which criticised the unattainable grapes as too immature to merit mastication but the particular speaker cannot justly be said to be on all fours with such an animal understand please i am no prejudiced narrow-minded chap i would freely and generously permit plain-faced antiquated unmarriageable madams and misses to undertake the manufacture of their own careers ad nauseam but when i behold a maiden of such excessive pulchritude second intervention by honourable chairman desiring me to abstain from personal references i assure the honourable miss chairwoman that i was not alluding to herself but since she has spoken in my wheel with such severity i shall conclude with my peroration on the subject for debate namely the theatrical dramas of honourable idson when madams and misses i make the odious comparison of these words with which i am completely unacquainted to the productions of poet shakespeare where i may boast the familiarity that is a breeder of contempt i find that in hamlet's own words it is the criterion of a satire and i shall assert the unalterable a priori of my belief that the melodious swan of stony stratford whether judged by his longitude his versical blankness or the profoundly of his attainments in chronology theology phrenology palmistry metallurgy zoography nosology chiropody or the musical glasses has outnumbered every subsequent contemporary and to come them all with this i sat down leaving my audience as sotto voce as fishes with admiration and amazement as the fecundity of my eloquence and should indubitably have been the recipient of innumerable felicitations but for the fact that miss spink suddenly experiencing sensations of insalubriousness requested me without delay to conduct her from the assemblage i would willingly make a repetition of my visit and rhetorical triumphs only miss spink informs me that she has recently terminated her membership of the above society End of chapter eight